Well, Nick Saban and Alabama are coming to Norman in 2024. That much we know, or at least that much has been reported by our friends at ESPN. So, heading into the SEC schedule reveal this evening, which Teddy Lehman himself is going to be on hand for over at Rudy's, we know that the Sooners have at least one undoubted marquee opponent coming to mm-hmm. town for year one in the SEC. Tyler McComas is on vacation this week. I am Parker Thune. I am joined by the man himself, Teddy Lehman, via the wonder of technology. Teddy, where are you today? I'm hanging out. Jimmy Austin Golf Course right here in Norman. The course is fantastic. Gearing up for the Corn Ferry Tour event that's coming up next week. And I could see they're putting all of the stuff together, all the venue out there. Surrounded in the 18 green, I can see some stuff down back there on the 18 fairway. Uh, really, really cool. The course is mm, as good as it could be. We've had a ton of rain. Uh, grass looks beautiful. Plush is the way uh, I would explain it. And we're going to have some giveaways throughout the day, giving away some tickets to the event. It's going to be a lot of fun out here. So, uh, yeah, we'll have that going throughout the day today. Teddy is at Jimmy Austin Golf Club right now. He will be out at Rudy's this evening for the 6 p.m. schedule release alongside the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Mm-hmm. And we know thus far, Teddy, that Alabama's coming to Norman, that Georgia is going to Austin. Everything else is still on the table. And so I ask you, you and I haven't had the chance to discuss this yet, but I asked TJ Eckert this question last hour. I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. Looking ahead to 2024 and figuring, you know, which other teams are going to be in play and could realistically be on Oklahoma's schedule in year one of the SEC, is there a program that you want to see on the schedule strictly for competitive reasons, a program that you believe with where they're going to be in 2024 would match up really well with Oklahoma and tell us a lot about what kind of team Brent Venables has at his disposal by then? Um, you know, some of the teams it's kind of difficult to, to forecast, which is a whole, whole new conversation, right? Um, Having been in the Big 12 and covered the Big 12 for so long, I, you just kind of know the rosters, you know the staff, you know kind of what, how teams are built offensively, defensively, and that stuff obviously changes, um, you know, from time to time. But it's going to be a whole new uh, situation getting comfortable with, uh, with a, a new conference. So uh, I think Tennessee – is really intriguing um they've got a young hot quarterback uh that just got on campus just like we do so you could have a a really nice matchup possibly between uh, a couple of freshmen um that would be a lot of fun i think you know lsu is always interesting does the does uh the daniels kid has he just got one more year left yeah this will be his last year yeah so that would be that's one of those where LSU can be very difficult to gauge. You know, maybe they find more consistency under Brian Kelly than they've had in the past, but typically LSU's been a roller coaster with mm-hmm. big ups and and big downs in there, and it's you know you never know how it's going to time out. Typically, it times out whenever they've got a a better quarterback back there, but you know some other 
really good skill position players have kind of led that charge with them in the past as well. So LSU is always an interesting one. Um, you know, I South Carolina is interesting. Now, there's a chance that maybe they're a little bit better this year than they will be next year because the quarterback, I think Rattler's going to have a really good year. Um, but, you know, Beamer continues to recruit well, so that could be a strong uh, strong game, I think, Kentucky. Really, outside of a handful of games, I think everything is at least interesting, you know? I think outside of, really, Vanderbilt, which has been <laughs> the team at yeah. the – well. I, I don't exactly know how totem poles work. Is Vanderbilt at the bottom of the totem pole or the top? My my gut would say the bottom, but I don't I don't actually know how totem poles work. But anyway, yeah, outside of Vanderbilt, which has been it. a fish out of water in the SEC for years and years, you'd figure everybody else that has the potential to be on OU's schedule is going to provide a compelling matchup at the very least. Yeah. Now, wonder what how Kentucky looks. You know, some of these teams that have had some nice little runs, are they going to have staying power when they lose, uh, you know, good quarterback play? Uh, Tennessee, like we we expect Milton to do well after, you know, Heupel's turned that offense into into a machine. But, you know, part of the reason it was a machine because they had a quarterback that played six seasons in college football. Um, how do they handle it? How does Kentucky handle Levis being gone? You know, some of those teams – they're hard to forecast, in my opinion. Kind of the middle tier that that has a nice little run up when they've got quarterback play, and then falls back down when they don't. How many SEC teams did you play back in the day, Teddy? How many did you get the opportunity to play? Because obviously, you played LSU, played Alabama. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. LSU, Alabama, obviously A and M, sure, Missouri, Arkansas. Uh, I think. I think that's it. Okay. And obviously We Texas played Ole Miss in 99. I was not here yet. Um, Coach Stoops' first year, yep. Independence Bowl. Um, I think that's it. Which SEC road trips are you most excited for? Easy answer would be like, okay, obviously you can get juiced about a trip to Tuscaloosa. But even just outside, right. outside of the football product. If we're eliminating – like the matchup on the field just to see what the area is like. Um, I'm I'm really interested to, to see what if Ole Miss lives up to the hype, right? It's supposed to be a really fun atmosphere, area around campus, supposed to be awesome. Um, it's funny, my niece just went to South Carolina last weekend to uh, visit their campus for, for soccer. And, <laughs> dude, I got it, man. Shane Beamer, he's the best guy ever. He has no reason to respond to me at all. Uh, but, you know, I sent him a message, said, hey, my niece is going to be in town checking out South Carolina's, uh, you know, soccer program, soccer facilities. Anything that you'd recommend that they go see while they're in town? I, Ten seconds later, he sends me, like, a long message with all the places they got to go, what's going to be really cool, what else happening, He's just an incredible guy. Uh, but after reading the list of things that he sent, I'm kind of interested to go see what South Carolina's got to offer. That seems like a really cool place. Um, Gainesville is, uh, I mean, that's more like only a football atmosphere type of thing. 
Gainesville, Florida doesn't really excite me all that much, but, you know, the stadium, the environment does. I, You know what's interesting? I've never been to the state of Kentucky. You ever. Know, you know, I, I've only ever driven through – like, I've, I've stayed a couple of nights over the years – in Paducah, Kentucky, which is just barely into the state of Kentucky. Yeah. I've never I've never been to Lexington. I've never mm-hmm. been to any of the big ticket Kentucky towns. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Been through Tennessee quite a bit, but it feels like Kentucky yeah. is kind of unexplored territory there. I know. And it's it's weird because I, I've been almost everywhere either like for sports, you know, even if it's just like stopping through an airport, you know, yeah. like you, you've been a lot of places. It's just weird that I've never been to Kentucky at all, at least not that I I can remember or am aware of. So um, I'm kind of interested in that. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, it's been a while since I've been to College Station. It's not a while. It's been 20 years since I've been to College <laughs> Station. So, I, although there's some annoying uh, things that come with that, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I can't wait for a trip to, to College Station. Fayetteville. I've never been to Fayetteville on a game day. So I'm interested in that. I mean, I can go. The list really goes on and on. K-Dub in the 918 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line says, and I think this is a good question. I'd love to hear your opinion on it. If Muleshoe would have pulled his mm-hmm. shenanigans one year earlier, is Shane Beamer the head ball coach at OU? Huh. Boy. That's an interesting question. It sure is. You know what's funny about it? If, if it happened, I can see, like, the big rumor being like, Every, like they knew it was going to happen, and that's why he came here, you know, like to to get some seat time at the university before. I don't know. I think he he probably would maybe I say probably maybe that's not the right word. I think he possibly could have uh, been in the running. I don't know necessarily that he would have been the favorite. Maybe he would have been. I I don't know. That's a great question. Somebody asked. What do you What do you think? Well, I on that topic, I think you know you heard what Joe Castiglione said when they hired Brent Venables about how you know he was kind of always at the top of the emergency list that Joe C kept. Mm-hmm. But it is it it does present an interesting, uh, I guess, possibility to consider. Okay, if. Lincoln Riley leaves at the end of the 2020 season. You have a guy that's very obviously ascending rapidly up the coaching ranks in Shane Beamer. And you can make the hire in-house, maintain continuity, not have to worry about bringing in a completely new staff, and also not having to, at the very least, worry about an impending exodus via the transfer portal amongst players who are unfamiliar with the new coach and his staff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Shane Beamer SEC probably familiarity would've... just came from the sec. Yeah. Like would Shane Beamer have a hundred percent ended up OU's head coach? No, not necessarily, but probably would have gotten a hard look. Yeah. 
Definitely, I, I think he definitely would have would have, at a minimum, been in the running. And and had in in the running as, um. It been been able to have a legitimate interview. You, men- job, you so. mentioned Fayetteville. A listener in the six one five asked. Did Teddy consider Arkansas for college? What were his other contenders? You had an Arkansas offer, didn't you? Well, not technically. So I I had like the the summer before my senior year of high school, I I was still hadn't been recruited that much. That that spring I had gone to uh OU's junior day and you know because Coach Stoops had just gotten the job. They haven't even coached a game yet. Uh-huh. Um, but I got to meet all those guys and loved it. They, it was it was fantastic. That's where I wanted to go. Um, but, you know, everyone was kind of new and just hadn't been recruited really by anyone. So that summer I was going to OU football camp. Right after the week after that I was going to Nebraska football camp. Uh, after that I was going to Oklahoma State football camp. And then I – we, my high school team was scheduled. We had already scheduled like a, like a team trip to Arkansas that came, like, after all of those camps. Those camps were like three weeks in a row. So I went to camp at OU. They offered me a scholarship. I canceled my camp trip to Nebraska. Canceled my camp trip to Oklahoma State. But it already paid and wanted to go with my team to Arkansas, and went to Arkansas. Like we ran 40s and did, we actually did like a full combine. We ran 40s. We did bench press. Um, we did like some of the shuttle stuff, and then we did drills and stuff as a team, and kind of like some seven on seven stuff. And they were they after the the day was over, they were sending me up to go to talk to Coach Houston Nutt, which you know whenever I did that with Coach. Venables at OU, I was going up to see Coach Stoops for like the like the official scholarship offer. So I don't know that they're going to offer me a scholarship. I'm I kind of assume that that was going to be the case. And it, the crazy part is it was for tailback. Interesting. Yeah. So that's my that's the only time I've been to Fayetteville was for that camp. Dang, so. you could have you could have ended up taking Peyton Hillis's place on the cover of Madden. <laughs> the the funny part about it is, like, whenever they asked me to go up there to see the head coach, I was like, okay. And I walked over and told my my high school head coach that they wanted me to go up there. But our entire team was already on the bus. Like, we were about to leave, so I just. Didn't really say anything to anyone <laughs> instead of going up to the office or going back over there and talking to the coach. I just got on the bus and left. <laughs> and there you go, folks. That was it. That is how. Well, I ghosted him, I guess you could say. <laughs> Teddy Lehman ghosting Houston Nut. You tuned in for recruiting, <laughs> telling stories from 1999 here at 2.15 on a Wednesday afternoon. But I love Fayetteville it. has changed a lot since then. It definitely has. No question about that. Ohio Sooner on the text line went, oh, man, just thinking about Nebraska legend Teddy Lehman made me shudder. Another listener okay. said. There's another funny story about that. So 
my, I guess you could say my recruiting agent when I was in high school was my grandma. Um, my grandma's family lives in Nebraska, is from Nebraska. And her uncle, or I guess it'd be my, like my great uncle, her brother um, was a teacher at a high school that I guess Nebraska recruited to a lot where Scott Frost went to high school and he knew Milt Tenniper. You remember him, O-line coach there forever? You ever heard that name? Yes, I've heard that name. Wood River is where Scott Frost went to high school. Wood River, oh, Nebraska. Nice. Wood River. Well, there you go. Well, my grandma uh, flooded Milt Tenniper's office with letters, and so he finally like called me and invited me to camp. She did the same thing with Bobby Bowden at Florida State because she lived in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's my grandma was my recruiting agent. So I, I was like, oh, my gosh, Coach Bowden from Florida State sent me a letter. This is amazing because Florida State was a big deal at that time. Yes, they were. Uh, only to open it up and realize that it was in response to all of my grandma's letters that she had been sending him. So it's not that he stumbled across some uh, great athlete in Oklahoma. It was just to get grandma off his back. Pretty funny. Oh, man. We're overdue for a break here. Needless to say, people have thoughts on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Anecdotes from Teddy. <laughs> Recruiting anecdotes from Teddy Lehman. Everybody is loving this on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll continue this conversation next. We'll continue to preview Oklahoma's SEC schedule release. We'll talk a little OU recruiting in the present day as the show rolls on. This is Locked In on the Ref, the Homa Sooner fans. Keep it here. It is Locked In here on the Ref, the Homa Sooner fans. This text from LG Sooner on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Pretty much sums things up nicely. Locked in Tuesday, fruit hour. Locked in Wednesday, tales from Teddy. Very entertaining and can't <laughs> wait till Thursday. People have all sorts of questions, Teddy, after okay. you told the story of the Arkansas football camp you attended, the Nebraska football camp you almost attended, the Oklahoma State football camp you ended up not attending. Somebody from the 417 says, can you imagine Teddy in Oklahoma State Orange? Gross. Yeah. I, so people have probably, some have probably heard, heard me tell the story of going to OSU's junior day. It was, it was like, it was the week before OU's junior day. Okay. So me and my dad, we have no idea what to expect. Don't really know what it is drive up to Stillwater, there's like a little, essentially it was basically just a meet and greet and then go to the basketball game. So we show up, we sign in, we get a name tag. We don't know anyone, so we just kind of awkwardly stand there. Finally, one of the coaches walks up, and <laughs> the only thing he said to us was basically, well, you know, we have these junior days, but you know, pretty much most of the kids that come here will never play Division One football. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Wow. We walked off, and we just kind of looked at each other. It's like, well, do you want to go to the basketball game? 
No. All right, let's leave. We were there for no longer than 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. That is – and that was – I mean, who who would have been the coach at Oklahoma State in those days? That, that was pre-Mike Gundy. That was pre-Les so, Miles. I think – uh, I think that would have been uh, – was it – was his name Bob Simmons? Is that who that was? Was he the coach there? I have no idea. I can't dig back into the archives uh, of my memory that far, probably because I was born that year. I think that's right. He had, he had a, I think, a son or maybe two sons that played um, for him. I think that's who would have been the coach at the time. But he wasn't there. The head coach wasn't there. It was just – a couple of assistants. It didn't even look like the whole staff was there. So that was my experience at Oklahoma State. And then I've also told this story. Like the next week I go to junior day at Oklahoma, and it's totally different. It was amazing. I walked in. First person I saw was Kel Gundy. Had never met him before, but like he knew my name, knew I was a linebacker, uh, you know, was like, Awesome that you're here. Come come with me. I want to introduce you to our linebacker coach. It was – and I had lunch with Coach Venables, and it was amazing. It was like a totally different experience than, than what I had had previously. So, like, to me, as soon as they, like, knew my name and, like, I met the linebacker coach, I was like, this is where I want to come. I don't, I don't care about going anywhere else. They actually knew who I was. This is amazing. The little things, I guess, right? <laughs> Imagine that. You yeah. would think. You would think. Even in those days, and Oklahoma was down at that point. That was yeah. not. That was a program that was still very much under repair. But you would think a program like Oklahoma State would be more attentive to all the little things like that, as opposed to less attentive. But well, I, so a lot of people have heard the the old. You know, uh, the classic tell about, you know, running the 40 at OU and getting the offer right there from Venables. Well, the year before, I went to OU camp the year before, too, whenever Blake was coach. And I ran the fastest time at camp that year, too. And it was actually in a race against, like, a bunch of top recruits, like they – they took the fastest times and then lined us all up, and we had like a big race at the end of camp, and I won that race, and nobody from OU said a single word to me ever. <laughs> so that was that was I had kind of had the same experience at OU that I had at OSU just a year year prior. A listener in the three hundred seven wants to know. By the way, that's Wyoming. I didn't know we had listeners in Wyoming, but welcome oh, yeah. to the show. Any truth to the to the uh, story that Venables told Teddy that if he ran a four six, he'd offer a scholarship, and Teddy said if he ran a four six, he'd quit football. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I had because I had, like I said, I had ran. I I I don't know. It was four or five or faster the year before at, at at camp i had timed like we had timed 40s at at my high school which you know it's funny because i ran a four three at my high school but i had always heard the like that everyone's like 40 times are, are not real 
Uh-huh. Like whenever you hear that someone ran a four three, like there's there's no way. So when my coach told me my time, I didn't even believe him <laughs> until I went and ran the same thing at OU officially. But I knew I knew it was way faster than four six. So yeah. Uh, Kendall says, Teddy taking my sixth grade son to the BV football camp. Jay from Medill adds, last week I took my son, 12 years old, to the Mike Gundy camp Monday, then the Brent Venables camp Tuesday and Wednesday. The difference nice. in the camps were huge, night and day. So 25 years later, doesn't sound like much has changed. Well, you know, what's interesting is, I, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, because the camp thing it's big and I know there's national camps and you know some of those like sponsored camps I don't know if if that's what how you'd call them but some of the recruiting networks put stuff on and there's a lot of these elite meetups but like even like under Lincoln the the camp situation here was not that big of a deal it seems to be one of the big points of focus for Venables is that is that a little more in line with what you see with yes. some of the bigger schools nationally? Yes. So I I got the chance to attend camps when Riley was the head coach. Obviously, I'm at camps now that Venables is the head coach, and it is a much bigger deal, and mm-hmm. there is a lot more emphasis placed upon it. And I think, gosh, I I may be wrong, but as I recall – Riley only had two, maybe three football camps. Brent Venables and his staff have five elite camps for high schoolers, and they have another three days of youth camp, I believe. And a women's camp coming up. (laughs) That doesn't count. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot going on up there. From a listener in the 405, Teddy, did you want to play running back at OU? No. Nope. I didn't want to play running back anywhere. <laughs> uh, all I ever wanted to do was play linebacker from the flight like, before I even played uh, football for some reason. I don't know necessarily if I saw someone. I, I don't know if it came from playing like video games or what, but I, that's all I wanted to be was a linebacker from as young as I can remember. So that's why you got on the bus in Arkansas, huh? You were like, oh, they want me a tailback. I'm leaving. Tailback? Who <laughs> wants to play tailback? In hindsight, uh, in hindsight, that would have been interesting. You know? Could have uh, could have hung out at third team on the depth chart, scout team tailback for four years, or who knows? Maybe could have broke through and run the option with uh matt jones against oklahoma in 2001 yeah matt jones he had a good little nfl career for a few years as a wide receiver he, good athlete that was he was a great athlete it was interesting like he was kind of a unicorn for that time six six uh athletic played wide receiver um they put him at quarterback some to do some some option stuff and some Zone read stuff, uses athleticism. Was kind of a, a unique player for that era. All right, we got to hit a break here on Locked In, here on the Homeless Sooner Fans, The Ref. When we return, we'll get to your texts on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. SEC schedule release coming tonight at 6 p.m. 
Tune in here on the Ref Radio Network or on the Ref app across the globe to hear Toby and Teddy break it all down. That comes your way later. Another segment of Locked In is up next. Keep it right here. Back with you here on Locked In. It's the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Captain Willard says via the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, this is radio gold today, guys. We've gotten a few recruiting anecdotes from Teddy Lehman. But looking ahead tonight to OU's SEC schedule release, that comes your way at 6 p.m. local time. Teddy and Toby will be live out at Rudy's to break it all down. That will be carried right here on the Ref Radio Network. And it's been asked a couple times, Teddy, on the text line, and obviously you and I were talking about it a little bit off air during the break, but naturally the question has arisen, what kind of recruiting impact does the schedule released have uh, does the release schedule this evening have the potential to have for Oklahoma before I kind of dive into it your knee jerk reaction on whether or not that would tangibly move the needle for any particular recruits well i don't know that i don't know that individually a recruit looks at it and like it makes the difference, right? It's all just a piece of the pie, right? There, there's there's a bunch of different things. It's and and everyone weights what matters the most differently: uh, relationships, facilities, how close it is to your home, how good is the team, how can they use you in their offense or defensive scheme, and I I think the the competition and who you're going to be playing against. It has definitely negatively affected Oklahoma. Yes. To not to not be able to to shoot out the the graphics that say, well, however many like look at all the defensive players drafted from the SEC every year. If you want to go to the NFL, this is the conference you play in. And all the top defensive linemen play in the SEC. Look at all the draft picks. Look at um, you know, look at how many national championships. Like, those things help to be able to be a part of just the overall general, um, like, the landscape of the conference and what it looks like to recruits. I think that generally helps. And then, you know, they've been able to have the, com- the conversation that we're headed to the SEC, but now to be able to actually look at a schedule of who you would be playing against as a freshman and – like, there is really no excuse anymore, right? Because you know you're going to be playing against the best of the best. So I would say I would say it's a it's a overall net positive, but how much it helps a, a, an individual recruiting case is just, I guess, going to be, you know, player by player. I liken it to sprinkles, right? Yeah. Like, for a, for a guy like Dominic McKinley, the five-star defensive lineman out of the state of Louisiana, the thought from pretty much everybody in the industry from the get-go has been, well, okay, he's a Louisiana kid, he's got an LSU offer, it's going to be hard for anybody to pry him away. And that's understandable. Oklahoma is one of those schools, nonetheless, that has really asserted themselves in their pursuit of McKinley and has stepped up to become maybe the primary challenger to LSU. 
He's going to take his official visit this weekend for the Champion Barbecue. Long term, though, if you see Dominic McKinley commit to Oklahoma, he's not going to say, yeah, it was because Oklahoma gets to play in Baton Rouge in 2024 mm-hmm. or 2025 or whatever. No, that's not going to be the reason you get that kid. But I have no doubt that if Oklahoma is the pick for him in the end, he'll probably cite the opportunity to play back home as a nice bonus in addition to the relationships he has with the coaching staff, their track record of development, the opportunity to stay in the SEC as a conference. And that really is going to provide more of a boon. And I know it's a broader concept, but that the very nature of being able to stick the SEC patch onto the jersey is going to do far more for Oklahoma from a recruiting perspective and already has than right. any one individual opponent will ever do. Uh, I do think Sprinkles is a bad um, – I don't think that's the – because here's my take on Sprinkles. Oh, boy, here we go. Because as a kid, you see a donut with Sprinkles on it, and you're thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> that looks amazing. But in all honesty, the Sprinkles taste-wise – don't really end up offering anything to the experience. I think the better example or the better um, comparison is Cool Whip because it does <laughs> add to the experience. Okay, they, yeah, we'll go with that. Whipped okay. cream. But no, it's like yeah. sprinkles. The reason why sprinkles are attractive to a kid is not because they add to the flavor profile at all, but because they're colorful and fun. Yeah. Like, it's the right. same reason why whenever I was five years old and my grandparents would take me to an ice cream shop, I'd always get the rainbow cream, which is just yeah. vanilla ice cream that's dyed blue and pink and yellow. Right. There's nothing spectacular about the taste. But it looks like the coolest thing in the world to a kid. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. That's why kids uh, always eat Play-Doh, because it just looks like it's supposed to be eaten. (laughs) In other news, former Oklahoma defensive back Latrell McCutcheon is once Mm. again in the transfer portal. As many may recall, he was a spot starter for this OU football program back in 2021 as a true freshman. Uh, had a falling out with the coaching staff to the point where his father was tweeting profanities at the former staff at the University of Oklahoma. He then entered the transfer portal and decided to reunite with those very same coaches at the University of Southern California. That experiment lasted all of one year. He is once again in the transfer portal, likely bound for somewhere like Texas State, which these days appears to be OU's AA affiliate in essence. Um so there's that. Glenn from Nashville on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line before we hit a break here says, my first recollection of Teddy Lehman watching OU playing at Air Force and he's on special teams. He might have been a freshman. It's in the waning minutes of the game. OU winning by many touchdowns. I think that's 0-1. I think I was a, I was a sophomore that year. Teddy makes a tackle on a kickoff and you can hear Venables screaming in the background. Nice stick, Teddy Lehman. <laughs> I wonder if Teddy remembers that. I I don't. I remember that game. I don't remember that exact uh, that exact play. But like I was, I don't remember like that whole thing is a flash because that was early in the year as a non conference game. 
Um, but, you know, it was my first year as a starter. And, like, first couple of games as a starter, I my head was just absolutely spinning. You know, is like everything is is a blur uh, whenever you're you're just getting out there as a young player and you're starting, and it's just everything that you can do to keep from screwing the entire year up for everyone else. So, um, I I was operating on not cruise control, I get autopilot maybe at that point, just trying not to screw up. And it's shocking to hear that Venables offered some type of encouragement to me. Um, that was rare, especially <laughs> that year. Captain Willard on the text line says, that's why kids eat Play-Doh. Total veteran dad speak from Ted. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to hit a final break here on Locked In. Come on back and wrap it up before I hand things off to Grill Boy himself, Travis Davidson, who's going to be stepping in alongside Teddy for the rush from 3 to 6. It's the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Stay right here. We'll be back. Well, Alabama's coming to Norman next fall. That much we know in advance of the SEC schedule release, which is only partially a schedule release, Teddy Lehman, because we're not going to know any dates. It's basically more of an opponent release than a schedule release. But nevertheless, we will know tonight at 6 p.m. which seven conference games Oklahoma will play in the SEC in the year 2024, in addition to that perennial matchup with Texas in the Cotton Bowl Now, what are your thoughts on the revelation that OU gets Alabama at all, let alone at home? Because there are some that will say, oh, SEC giving Oklahoma the gauntlet in year one, making them play the program that's won six of the last 14 national championships. But on the other hand, I've already seen a lot of OU fans on social media saying, dang, the SEC's rolling out the red carpet, giving Oklahoma the best matchup in the conference at home in year one. Well, I think – you know, we've seen this in the past. Uh, you can say they're giving you the gauntlet, but really what they're doing is uh, they're welcoming you into the conference and they're giving you a high-profile matchup that should help you reap the benefits of, of, of playing in these bigger type of games. Think about we're going to play Cincinnati. So what did the Big 12 do? With Cincinnati and the others joining the conference, Cincinnati's first game in the Big 12, they're hosting the University of Oklahoma. So that's going to be – did you see the tickets for that game are more expensive than their season tickets? Yes. Um, you know, so they're going. it's going to be packed. It's going to be a big deal around campus and around in the, in the local areas for that game. It's one of the bigger games they've hosted in a long time. So it's the same thing. They're doing that. For Oklahoma and for Texas, Texas is is hosting Georgia. So it's like, welcome, this is what it's going to be like. Which, you know, it's not going to be like hosting Alabama every week in the SEC. Uh, It's going to be better than hosting Kansas every week. Um, But, you know, it's just, it's giving you something right out of the gate and, and letting you see some early return on your move to the new conference. So I love it. I think it's exactly what you want. So you got Alabama on the schedule, Teddy. You get to pick pick one opponent elsewhere in the SEC. We know Georgia's off the table. Pick one other opponent that you want to see on the schedule tonight when it gets revealed. 
Doesn't matter home or away. Doesn't matter home or away. Just want to see OU play X team. Tennessee. There we. There it is. Kind of figured that's where you were going to go with it, and I think that's the answer a lot of OU fans would have. Whether it's well, in Norman th- or in Knoxville, all of the narratives and storylines surrounding that potential matchup are very appetizing. Yeah. I, I, I think that we are either going to get Alabama – and Tennessee or Alabama and LSU and Texas is going to get Georgia and LSU or Georgia and Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? Like we're yeah. splitting the two top dogs and I think we're also going to split the, the, the next tier as well. So it's going to be fascinating. You got 15 seconds to answer this from a listener in the 918. Cool whip in the spray can or in the tub? Either or. Give it to me any way possible. Tub is better because I need it with a spoon. That's it for Locked In here on a Wednesday. The Rush coming your way next. Travis Davidson's going to slide into my chair, and he and Teddy got you covered for the next three hours leading up to OU's SEC schedule release tonight at 6 p.m. Keep it here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. More next.